going up to someone and saying, what do you do for a living? Well, I follow Jesus. Best part of your job, seeing him work through me, you know. This idea of who Jesus is and his followers is something we'll see very, um, we'll get a picture of that in this passage in Luke chapter 9, um, verses 10 to 17. This is the story of feeding the 5,000. And I think what's so compelling about this story that we'll read is that it's, I think, the only miracle story that is recorded in all four Gospels. So I think with that, there's some weight. And I hope that this morning there's a blessing and an encouragement for you uh, today. So let's pray, and then we'll open God's Word and read it. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your work. Alive, working in your people and through your people. And I pray that as we hear your word this morning, that you would open our ears not only to hear it, but to understand. And that you'll open our eyes not only to see, but to perceive. Thank you for your word. It's your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 9, we're going to hit it at verse 10, and we'll go right down to 17. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The very words of God. Well, let's walk through this passage together this morning, then we'll draw out a few truths that will, I hope will impact and encourage you now and in the future, and then we'll close with a, I feel, a recent version of this story, and then we'll end in prayer. All right, let's go. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 10. It starts right away. That's okay if it's not up there. I'll just read it. Um, when the apostles returned, that's the first four words of this. And the question is, what did they return from and what just happened? Well, we're right in the middle of a whole sequence of events. And to understand what's, what, why this story is here, let's go up to the first verse of chapter 9 where it says, and it describes what the apostles were up to. Uh, verse 1, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So these apostles, or disciples of Jesus, were being trained by Jesus uh, to be his representatives. And he's shaping them, he's calling them, and now he's putting them out in the field, and he does so um, by giving them his power and his authority. So they left for this mission trip, and stuff is happening. People are being healed. There's deliverances. 
just the most amazing thing. And in that time of the world, everything was so depressed and so discouraged and so uh, difficult that this news and what was happening with Jesus' power and authority through his disciples was just amazing. And the word gets out on the street, in the marketplace. And it's not only there, but it also rises up to those in power. The powerful, the wealthy also hear about what's happening with Jesus and his disciples, and they want to find out more. And in Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 7, it says, But Herod the Tetrarch, which is the son of Herod the Great, heard about what was going on, like all these people, that the disciples going out and healing and preaching. And, and Herod, it says, was perplexed. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see Jesus, it said. So Herod wants to know, who is Jesus? What is he up to? Who is Jesus and what is Jesus like? And that is the question that rattles right through history to this moment. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 10, we, we start in our passage, and it says, The apostles returned. They reported to Jesus what they had done. Then they took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed, Jesus welcomed the crowds, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. Now the disciples were just immersed in a life of the direct power of God to other people for their healing, for those who were sick, who needed to hear good news. And they were delivering people from demonic oppression. And in Luke 9, 6, we hear that they were sent out from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So they were traveling, they were preaching, they were moving around, and this power and authority that Jesus had given to them uh, was having effect on all they met. But now they were finished, this trip. Back with Jesus. And they were with him now. And they're near a place called Bethsaida. And they're with Jesus alone and they're debriefing. They're decompressing. Much needed downtime. But it doesn't last long because the crowds find Jesus and his followers again. And here is where we learn that Jesus cares this much for people. Verse 11, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. Jesus welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Um, the, the people needed more of Jesus. The ministry wasn't finished. And if you've been in ministry, you know the ministry never finishes. It just keeps going. And people were looking for Jesus. They had needs. They had wants. They had questions. They were curious. They were hungry. And instead of Jesus saying, hey, I need this time with my disciples, he welcomed them, always welcoming people. And he told them the good news and healed those who needed healing. And it's in this moment that we see how amazing it is that Jesus cares for people. That's his main thing. Then in verse 12, it says, late in the afternoon... Um, the, the 12 came to him. So you can imagine Jesus with his followers are in this impromptu sort of gathering of a large mob now of people. And it's now late in the afternoon. It's been a long day of, of heat and teaching and being in the field. 
and needs and listening and speaking. And the 12 came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and courtside, countryside, and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. So the crowds had followed Jesus and were in, you know, they're out of town, basically. And there was a large number of them. And it was now close to dinner time. And the disciples, I presume, were taking care of a lot of logistical stuff of their traveling and their coming and going. And they said to Jesus, very reasonably, hey, it's almost dinner time. We, we really should dismiss them. Let them go back, maybe go into town, get some food, because they need something to eat, and they need a place to sleep tonight. It's a long ways. Um, and they were just saying, hey, maybe we should just call it, just wrap it up. But now something very unexpected happens. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, well, we only have um, five loaves of bread, two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. So in this need to feed or this group of people to have something to eat, Jesus looks at his followers and says, you Give them something to eat. You do it. So their disciples were like, okay, all right, um, let's do some brainstorming. How much food we got here, Richard? We got, I think we got five loaves and a couple fish, right? Looks up, sees like this mob of people, like thousands, like it's a small city. Okay, uh, that's not enough. Well, um, what else can we do? Well, we could go back into town. Well, that's a long trip. You know, and if we get into town, who knows if they got enough food for 5,000 people. And if they do, how are we going to get that from there to over here? It's like the whole plan just breaks down in logistics immediately. So Jesus has asked them to do something, and they can't do it. Have you ever been there? And they have no way to do what he's asking them to do. It's impossible. We can't feed 5,000 people dinner. We just got a couple loaves, five loaves, and a few fish here. And at the very bottom of this is this question. Can Jesus be trusted? He's asked you to do something impossible. Can he be trusted? Now, this whole situation is very reminiscent of another time in the Bible, much earlier when a large crowd of people needed food. Think back to the time of Moses with the Israelites in the desert. And what's interesting is that in this time of feeding the 5,000 uh, with Jesus, this is happening around the time of the Passover. So the idea of Moses and the deliverance from Israel and God's caring for them is on everybody's mind right now. And when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt, they were wandering in the desert, and they had no food at this point, and they were at the verge of starvation. And what could produce more insecurity than the prospect of starving. Talk about being vulnerable. Not many issues threaten us as people as removing the food chain. They cried out to God, and in response, God provided them with something special called manna. Every morning, manna would come down from heaven, direct from God, appear on the ground, and God's instruction to them was, go gather enough of these fluffy flakes of bread for one day. Don't gather extra just for that day. 
God told him to gather enough for this day alone. Bread given to his people in need directly from his hand. And this was God's way of teaching the Israelites an important lesson, that he could be trusted every day. No matter how dark and difficult and down life has become, he can be trusted. He wanted them to learn how to rely on him every day for the most basic necessity that they needed, which was food, their daily bread. Jesus now taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, a prayer of trust. Now, God's faithfulness was clear. He kept giving them manna day after day throughout the journey in the desert, showing that he could be trusted. But now here we are with Jesus, another crowd of hungry people. And this led to a profound teaching moment one more time. Jesus could be trusted. He cares for people. He welcomes them. But he does it differently now than God did with the Israelites. Then God brought manna down from heaven directly onto the ground and people gathered it, direct from God to people. But now Jesus is saying to his his disciples, I'm going to provide for this crowd. You can trust me in that. But I'm going to do it through you as a conduit of my power and love. I I want you to do the ministry of caring for people from now on. Jesus is at work. He can be trusted. His power and authority is available, but now it's through people. It's different. It's a massive shift to how God accomplishes his mission here on earth. He He works, yes, but he does it through his followers. He cares for people, He's trustworthy, but now he works through you and I to accomplish his mission. So in verse 14, we see it. But Jesus says to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. A couple things. Notice the emphasis is on the bread. There's very little mention of the fish. It's about about loaves and two fish, but no no mention of the fish there. I'm sure it was distributed, but that's not the point. Um, There's no focus also on the how of the miracle. Like, how did that happen? I mean, that's a curious thing. I'd want to know, how did that happen? Uh, Presumably, it transpired as the food was distributed, but there's no focus on the glamour or the sensation of it all. It just happened. Um, There's also no indication that the crowd knew that there was a miracle that happened, but it surely is clear that the disciples knew it. And we started with a, a meager five loaves and two fish. And he fed this mob, this mob, this small city of people with just that. And there was 12 baskets left over. Left over. The crowd had food, the disciples had food, and there were leftovers. So, now we see that Jesus works through you and I. He worked through his disciples. He said to them very clearly, now you do it. You feed them. 
But there's a couple things I want to draw out on how this plays out for you and I. The first thing that we see is that in spiritual matters, we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And he tells us this in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Not a, don't bug me, I'm busy, I'm busy with this person, but it's here is a real need. I've been teaching you, training you. I care for people. The next step is to trust me that I will meet the needs of others through you. You do it, but trust me. I'm going to ask you in your life to do things that you can't do, that only I can do through you. And, and this, is, this is real, because apart from Jesus, there's nothing of spiritual value that we can do. There's, there's why, this is why there's so much in Scripture that teaches about our attitude of humility, of being humble, about surrendering, about meekness. One place it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The proud says, I can do it. The humble says... I'm nothing and can't do anything without Jesus. So the first thing we see in this situation is that um, in spiritual matters, we can do nothing without Jesus. The second is, is that Jesus' strength is brought to our weakness to meet others' needs. Jesus' strength is brought to our weakness so we can serve others. Is that Jesus works through you and I, but we can't do anything Without him, and we're, we're reminded that our insufficiency is enough. In the hands of Jesus, these loaves suddenly become abundant, even excess. The loaves become a feast, and this entire city mob that's on in front of them, Jesus says, My power can come through you. And when we say we can't, when we say we're weak, he says, do it. I will work through you. Feed the 5,000. But you say, we can't. He says, you're right. You can't. But do it. You feed them. Trust me to work through you. What is he asking you to do today? That's impossible. How are you called to trust him to follow through how he's leading you? We're weak we're really helpless to do anything of meaningful value. And we know that. And Jesus says, perfect. Go do it. The third thing we see about how he works through us is that even though we are helpless and we, God usually gives us something to work through. Often it's very small and insignificant. We look through this story of scripture, what has God used in some of the big stories of scripture? Well, Moses, Moses was called to deliver God's people from the most powerful person then, Pharaoh. And when he came, all he had was a walking stick or a staff. And Moses could do nothing but walk with this staff, but when he gave it to God, he used it to perform miracles that led to the freedom of his people. God used a piece of wood, just a stick. A branch. And what about David when he went up against Goliath? 
Like he just had a sling, uh, a few stones. But God used those small things to bring down a massive giant. What, what do you have that if you offered to Jesus could be something massive? He's used bread, a stick, a few stones. What has God given you that he will use for a miracle? If you place it in Jesus' hands, if you trust him. And what this story tells us is that God is not limited by our inadequacies. He's not limited by, by what little we have. I just want to end with this uh, story. About 15 years ago, when I was pastor at Heartland Fellowship at Ch- in Chilliwack, just down the road that way, uh, we had a youth mission team go south of the ba- down the Baja of Mexico in the San Quentin Valley to meet the poorest of the poor. I think Stephen was on that trip. Um, if you remember, Stephen, we built a basic house for a family. Our team of about 15 youth were, um, were young, but worked hard. And they prayed, and I was so proud of how they worked day after day. They had fundraised beforehand for about 12 months, and uh, they were excited to be there. They were far from home in the heat of Mexico, helping the poor. They prayed and worked, sun up to sundown. And there was one day left, and we were asked to go share the gospel with some children at a migrant farm camp in the hills not far from where we were. It would mean preparing some skits, games, and food uh, for some farm worker children. We didn't really know what we were getting into, but it sounded, it was an opportunity. And our team, although they were tired, probably wanted a beach day instead of another time of driving out to meet more kids. But I was proud of them, and they said they wanted to do it. So we started out early the next morning, about an hour of traveling on gravel and dust on a remote roads, and eventually the vehicle slowed down and stopped, and I looked out the window and saw piles of discarded PVC pipe, plastic everywhere, cardboard boxes. And then I looked over at the hillside and saw makeshift homes made out of this discarded farm material. And I looked some more, and there was kids everywhere kids lots of them and it was chaos chickens running around stray dogs garbage piles on fire lots of kids without shoes dirty clothes now running towards our vehicle and our youth team our youth team got out of the vehicle and got to work playing with the kids trying to bridge the the language gap sharing the gospel singing songs playing rudimentary games And we were on this for a while, and we soon realized that the kids didn't have breakfast. Well, they didn't get it normally, and it was probably just a little bit later than 10 or 11 in the morning, and they were hungry. So we we set up some tables, and we brought out our coolers that we had prepared with with some sandwiches and some juice. And I just did a quick look at the the crowd of kids, and I looked at my 15... um, my team of 15 teenagers, and I'm like, oh, no. We don't have nearly enough food. And a sick feeling filled my stomach. And I realized that this was also lunch for my youth team. And if you've ever seen a, um, a teenager that was hungry, that's not fun to be around. And um, we were too far from town to go back to get some more food. And... Everything was happening fast. 
The hungry kids were pressing in, and our team was struggling to control the situation. And we flipped out tables, brought the coolers out, and I quieted the group as well as I could, said a prayer of thanks, and at the end asked Jesus to multiply what we had to meet the needs of these kids. A quick and hurried prayer. And right after I said amen, at that moment I was pulled away. I don't remember what it was, but someone needed something, and I left this mob of hungry kids and teenagers just there on their own to figure out who's going to get a sandwich and who's not. And maybe 15 minutes I was distracted. And when I got back, I, I was a bit confused by what I saw. Um, my youth team, I saw them. They were eating sandwiches, and, which was confusing to me because I thought maybe they'd feed the kids first. And then I walked over and I looked in the cooler and there were sandwiches still in the cooler. And one of the leaders asked me if I wanted one. And then I looked around, and I saw every kid that I could see had a sandwich in their hand, including their moms who had kids on the back. And and everywhere I look, I saw sandwiches in people's mouths or in their hands. And I was just like, I couldn't, my head wasn't figuring this out. Like it just, it was the kind of situation that was just not working for my brain. And then I realized that I was standing in the middle of a miracle. And tears came to my eyes, and I thought, how amazing of Jesus, just for this meal to care for these kids. And all the fears and anxieties I had about this were brought to rest, and I knew that he could be trusted to meet the needs of others. And although we didn't have enough, or we had very little, he worked through what we had, just to care for these kids in that moment. Who is Jesus? Someone who welcomes people. He cares for them. And he meets their needs, and he does that by, through people like you and me, when we're at our end, and we're helpless, we don't have enough, he somehow multiplies and works through us. And that is who Jesus is, and how he works through us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are a multiplying king. Um, Your math is different than ours. We live in a a logistical world of this and that and arrangements. And yet, you call us to live according to your power. Help us to trust you with the small and big things. Let us rejoice and give thanks when we see you work. And help us to trust you when things are dark and difficult. For you are a good God. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.